You're listening to episode 243 of the Comics Pals. We're a group of comic book journalists and friends who work on a podcast together because we don't talk enough about comics in our daily lives. Gentlemen, I hope you're all ready to attend the biggest comic book gala of this quantum millennia. Of course, I'm talking about the Hellfire Gala. Now, to get the hottest ticket for the hottest event of this millennia, you obviously had to fulfill two quotas to get that red-hot invite. So, let's find out if everyone dressed up. Let's start out with the butt muncher. Ba-ba! Oh, there, there we go. He is. Oh, that, look at him. Describe how you're dressed. Uh, so, this is a very traditional Krakoan outfit, uh, as you can tell by the... Uh, uh, etchings on the side, as well as some of the attention to detail on the actual sleeves. You gotta love it. Now we're gonna go to the Prince in Purple. You know him. You love him. His name, of course, is the Jumbo Temptation. That's right, everybody. What's going on? The sexiest motherfucker oh, at the funny. gala right here. Jumbo Temptation. Oh, he looks magnificent look at that tattoo oh my god mm. yeah you Why love it you love it and that takes us to the new white queen of the hellfire gala you know her you love her she's fabulous beyond words the countess reveal yourself Whoa! <laughs> incredible that's so awesome our queen absolutely incredible I thank you thank you very much <laughs> oh my fucking god so obviously to get the invite that means you had to do two, one, uh, two things to get that invite you had to dress up and you had to prove that you're all definitely down to get down so seeing as how we're all dressed up that means we all are down to get down like Batman uh, uh, Sean you're not dressed up uh, no I'm not I'm absolutely not uh, so, if, you, if you're not Watching this on YouTube, by the way, I implore you, you have to <laughs> see the way that these people are dressed. Right yes, and of course, I'm your pumpkin prince. I've got a nice way of X tattoo in my face, a kind of neat little hat, and a pumpkin jacket with a tiger shirt. I like the neckerchief. That's a nice touch. It ties it all together, baby. Yeah. I haven't described my outfit, of course. Uh, I've got uh, a, just a perfectly tailored suit. No undershirt. Still rocking the tie, of course. Got to keep it sexy. Show off the tattoo. We got matching eyeshadow and nail polish to my hair and is just the perfect purple prince that I am. And the four of us, we're down to get down. Don't you worry. Of course. We're ready for, for the biggest night in mutant, you know, culture. That's right. Uh, wow, guys. Uh- <laughs> Sean, I feel like you missed a perfect opportunity to just wear your birthday suit. This is your birthday episode. All right. you, you had a suit built in. Uh, yeah, I don't want to break the internet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Why? We need the views. Let's do it. Oh, Sean really is black. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Show's over. <laughs> we've peaked. We've done it, we've done it all. Uh, so, again, if you're not watching on YouTube right now, you really need to. This is wild. I knew that there would be something that these guys would do. Uh, I thought it was going to be some kind of roast of me. Maybe that's still coming. It is technically my birthday episode. But uh, at some point, we talked about doing a a dress-up for the Hellfire Gala. I don't think anyone could have imagined these costumes. Uh, I can't stress it enough. John, which is best? That's a great question. Who wore it best? Who's the best dressed? All right. So 
I think that I have to instantly eliminate Marco. <laughs> Got to do it. Even though you just flashed the nip, I saw that. I saw the nip flash, but not enough to sway me. I got two. <laughs> I, like, I like the implication that Marco only has one nipple. <laughs> We've only seen it. We've only seen part one. Of his mutant, uh, his mutant power. That's the manifestation. Uh, one nipple boy. <laughs> I really appreciate Phil's tattoo. <clears throat> uh, tattoo. Mm-hmm. Um, really nice touch, but it's fake. So if you would have really dedicated yourself, to <laughs> I it, think you should. It looks great. I should have gotten Mike Tyson here. Yeah, if you would have, if you would have Mike Tysoned it for the cause, I'd vote for you. But you didn't, so I won't. Uh, so that leaves me with Pete and Kale. Really, Kale is the most dedicated because <laughs> I mean, Pete looks like Pete. That's like true. that's just mm. how Pete dresses. Like I wouldn't be surprised if Pete. <laughs> really went to a party like that but kale really transformed himself for this event so i have to go with kale you gotta love it thank you very much i call this look a uh baroque vampire in that i am cashless and also a vampire (laughs) (laughs) oh yes wow okay the countess (laughs) yes (laughs) <laughs> does that include a mutant power oh uh, i'm a vampire okay the power of smugness um yeah i i really appreciate the faux beauty marks i think that really pulls the whole look together for you <laughs> listen yeah if you don't think the countess goes down she's down to get down baby oh she goes down <laughs> she's wow. downtown all day okay well uh, we have a lot to talk about on this episode. Uh, so much has gone on. We've got a bunch of listener comments. And, uh, yeah, I, I've never been more excited to do the show because you guys have to stay that way for the next, I don't know, three hours while we do our I'm ready to fucking day. rock. Let's go. You're, I mean, you're fine. <laughs> Phil's got a tattoo on his face. That's going to melt. Uh and I don't know how Kale's going to deal with what he's got going on. The, Listen, when the listeners and the viewers see this episode, they're the ones that are going to melt, baby. The best part about, uh, I think, this is going to be the gradual deterioration of, of our outfits. Yes. <laughs> I'm waiting for the first time I forget that I have eyeshadow on and I just rub my eyes and I just look like I'm in a war movie. <laughs> oh, my God. Marco's legs ain't there, Pete. <laughs> So before we move forward, I do, of course, want to uh, let you guys know where you can find us all over the Internet. We are the Comics Pals. If you want us on social, that is at the Comics Pals. Uh, If you want to write to us, that's the Comics Pals at gmail.com. Make sure that you guys are leaving us a follow, a rating, a review, wherever it is that you're listening to us. If that happens to be YouTube, which it really should be this episode. I'm sorry. My voice is a little messed up. It was my birthday. Things have been crazy. Um. If that happens to be YouTube, hit the like button, subscribe for free to our channel, drop a a, a comment in the comment section, and share the video with your friends. All those things are free to do, and they help us out a lot more than they cost you. Join our Discord server. Uh, We've actually been having a really good time over there, lots of things to discuss, and uh, some really cool interactions. One of our Discord members who isn't necessarily a regular engager 
this week, uh, uh, Pez, right? I think it's, I think their name is Pez. Yes. yes. Yeah. Um, they, they mentioned, uh, they said something really complimentary about how they, you know, read a lot of the books that we, uh, recommend and that's awesome. Really enjoy the show. So, uh, I really appreciate that. Actually, I'll just read the comment. Why not? Yeah. Most everything you guys recommend, I end up liking a lot. I'm not very active in the server, but I love the podcast. Does anyone read Monstrous? I'm in love with the art. Story isn't bad either. Eve, The Good Asian, Made in Korea, and Strange Adventures are polls I've taken on your suggestions, and I'm glad I did. Oh, that's amazing. Yes. That's very sweet of you. Thank, Thank you so you. much. Uh, you know, it's so it's so gratifying to be able to speak about books and pump them and give them life uh and and any you know sale or whatever that we help generate is that's super cool and not just the the sale part but also the fact that we're helping you find books that you enjoy you know that's additive to your life so uh being able to be a part of your life in that small way is really cool and i know we're all happy for that yeah and you know i i always try to keep in perspective that like you have so many ways you could choose to spend your time and we really appreciate that you choose to spend it with us and go even further to listen to the extra stuff and take our recommendations and all that stuff it's really fantastic thank you so much for the support absolutely um i do want to also talk a little bit about book clubs uh at the end of this month uh the last tuesday of this month which is the 29th we have the multiversity book club dropping uh that was really fun uh, Multiversity by Grant Morrison and a ton of artists. Uh, just a just a really awesome opportunity for Grant to work with you know the greatest artist that DC had access to and the greatest character that DC has access to, Captain Carrot, of course. <laughs> no kidding. Um, and a whole host of other book clubs. I implore you to take the Comics Pals Challenge whereby you look at our list of book clubs. I defy you to find a book, to not find a book that you like on that list. If that happens, if you do not find a book you like and you have a recommendation for our book club, write in, let us know, and we will absolutely do that book for you. So uh, speaking of listener comments, we've got a bunch to get through. Uh, Radiant Black number five was a hot button topic on our YouTube channel this week. And uh, people had a lot to say about it and about our comments on it. So, Pete, why don't you take it away? All right. So this first comment comes from Trent Stewart over on the YouTube channel and said, great review, guys. I can't wait until we get the green range. Um, Radiant. <laughs> Radiant Black Trade volume is one through six. Arc is supposedly one through five unless one is being misadvertised. It's on previews this month. Seems I remember an interview with Higgins saying Marcelo had a sustained hand injury and it looked like a balloon. So thank you for all that information. Um, I saw this comment earlier this week and um, super appreciate, you know, when we have listeners who uh, are able to fill in those gaps for us. Um, Because, yeah, I hadn't heard about the the hand injury. That really sucks. Yeah. Because that explains why the last issue was uh, had some guesswork. Yeah, that's that's rough. And um, you know what? Uh, Marcelo Costa has done a tremendous job with that book. Seriously, wish them a speedy recovery i don't know uh, the status of that i didn't check in but um hopefully you know he'll be all right and uh the fill-in artist whose name i'm forgetting at the moment also did a great job so the book is in good hands either way yeah Um, and thank you for the comment um uh really appreciate you saying it was a great review yeah thanks for writing in trent hope we'll see you for the next one 
All right, and this next one came from Jenny Sparks on that same YouTube video. Looking forward to that Radiant Black trade. This book is really enjoyable, is a really enjoyable read. Also, excellent podcast. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. I've been enjoying it too. <laughs> Uh, Mr. Green wrote in and said, the girl you're talking about is a different character for a different series that's coming out. I think it's called Dragon Girl Red. Interesting. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. The, yeah, the idea of, um, like, is there a second Radiant Red? Is it maybe another dimension? Or maybe they mistaken? I don't know. Yeah, well, the next comment says the same thing, so I guess it must be true. Okay. But I definitely do remember seeing, uh, footage or an image of 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 a radiant red character that was a woman before the book came out so i guess that's another character yeah so mm. I, I pulled up uh, an article here it's uh inferno inferno girl red um but it looks like it's actually a different character i don't think it's the same um i'm gonna link it to you guys but just based off of the initial images it looks like a totally different character um I don't think it's actually the same red. Right, uh, yeah. Yeah, same design, like similar design oh, and stuff, but totally yeah. different, like a uh, person, just a crossover Oops. with another series. Oh, this is not Radiant Black. It's crossing over with Radiant Black, but Inferno Girl Red is not the same red in. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, in, in Radiant. That, that makes sense now. That's super confusing, but. Yeah. <laughs> But th- but I guess what I'm trying to determine right now is that is that a part of Radiant Black? Inferno no. Red is not. They're just crossing over. Got it. Okay. Wow. Okay. Cool. So and it's funny because I'm pretty sure that that whole misconception started because I remember I think it was Rom V when we were on the show had said like oh yeah there's another one coming and I was like what like and I think that was how we got this whole thing started and we have cascaded and misunderstood like three times removed here. Um, so thank you for clearing that up. Uh, so then we got another one on that same one from Philip Mendoza. And um, this is talking about the the page where they had the podcasters talking in the last ep- episode. Um, mm. And they said the podcaster page was a troll of the Invincible podcast. It even included the podcasters names. I went back and checked. I've been on the Invincible podcast. I know those guys. Um, and I totally missed that when we read the book the first time. That's, That's so funny. funny. That's awesome. Which is fucking awesome for them. Shout out. Um, that kicks ass. Uh, and then also misstated Radiant Red with Infernal Girl, Girl uh, Red, which is a separate project. So thanks again for clearing that up, Philip. Yeah. Um, and Mr. Green. That's, that's pretty cool that the uh, that the, they, uh, they trolled the Invincible podcast. Yeah. Um, but I was, I was talking about, like, I wanted them to troll podcasts in general that speculated about where the book was going yeah. and fell for the trap. I thought that would have been funny. But that's funny too. I, I didn't know that at the time. You know, when we we don't we didn't we're not uh uh omni uh, uh which one which one would we be if we do Omnip- everything present pression right yeah omnipresent Om- yeah. omnipression yeah. yeah we're not that uh we just come here and talk stuff right so unfortunately sometimes you get a thing wrong um omniscient? But, uh, I was, yeah omniscient right that sounds right um but thank thanks again for clearing that up yeah appreciate it <laughs> okay <laughs> we got a we got another comment from our our new favorite 
commenter, definitely not Sean Soapbox, who wrote in and said, if you had to make Pete clean the laundry of any hero or villain, who would you choose? You know, I think we did this as a would you rather like 300 episodes ago or something. About what? About doing laundry yeah. for a superhero. I do yeah. remember this. It was like, so. it was like, would you want to live at Avengers Tower or whatever, but you have to do everybody's yeah. laundry yeah. or some shit like that? Mm. So, Pete, who is it? Who, is, who would it be? Well, you would have to make me do it. Yeah, so I think we, you should all choose, pick. I'll pick yeah. somebody, but I'm going to pick the least gross person I can think of. You yeah, know? And, yeah, who would that be? I don't know. Jean Grey. Jean Grey as drawn by uh, <laughs> specifically uh, the, or I guess actually even the other, who's the off artist who also killed it last time? Sean, Jean Grey's outfits are filthy. She's filthy. Especially Krakoa. Yeah, but like in a fun way. <laughs> I don't know. Oh. <laughs> Alright guys, who, who should Pete do the laundry of? I mean, his favorite character, Spider-Man. Yeah, That'd be great. But that would be normal. That'd be awesome. So, are you kidding? How often do you think Spider-Man washes those clothes? That's the thing. He's also destroying his costume like every other time he's going out. How how often am I even going to have to wash this damn thing? He's going through the sewers. You know that dude doesn't uh, wash it after it. Like, you have to think every time he goes out, it's basically a workout. Yeah. Right? I mean, the thing is, though, I'm fine with this because then I get to be boys with Spider-Man. Like, we're friends now, you know? I don't think that's part of it. You yeah, tell me I know his identity and I'm cleaning his clothes. And we don't even who talk. Said you know who says you know his identity? Yeah, you're like his butler. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking Glob Herman, but I don't think he wears a costume. <laughs> oh, that would be so bad. You just gotta bathe him. <laughs> Get in there, literally. Like that spirit monster from Spirited Away, just cleanse him yes. himself. Oh, that's yeah. good. I really like that. See, when you said me bathing him, I immediately thought of like, have you ever seen like in a Western where like a cowboy gets a bath and it's like a, a wooden tub and there's yeah. just some like woman scrubbing his back. Like I'm yeah. doing that to glob, but like it keeps just going inside his body. <laughs> yeah, that's the, that's the Spirited Away thing Marco was talking about. <laughs> uh, <sighs> I've, got, I've got a hero and a villain. Okay. Okay. Ooh. So my villain is the Joker. Uh, I, f- I, f- I feel that the Joker probably wears the same suit all the time um, and doesn't care in any way about cleanliness. Um, so I'm going to go with that. I was a dry cleaner, so I could nail it. Oh, <laughs> and then my hero is Beak. Uh, you guys who are fans of... <laughs> Grant Morrison's new X-Men will recall the character Beak, who sheds a lot and is just generally gross. That's so bad. Yeah. Like a nasty chicken. Yeah, I think you would be a nasty chicken. A nasty chicken. I think you would be perfect for that. Great. Chicken coops suck. Yeah. Yeah, they do. I'm going to go with Solomon Grundy, who is literally a zombie guy. He died on a Monday, as we all know. Uh, So you're dealing with like a corpse's outfit. Uh, good. And then he wears like a full, like three piece suit, kind of. You know? So hey, Pete do his laundry on a Saturday. <laughs> it's fucking bullshit. <laughs> he, he big. Um, and if I wanted to do you a favor, I would say like the thing, because like when he's got to get his rocks off, you'll be there to take care of him. You know, it's also it's also soft. just his underwear, right? Like that's not that much work. It's like if I'm washing the Hulk's pants. It's like Stinky. it's what. I can throw that in with my load. That's no big deal. Stinky rocks, man. <laughs> How stinky you think rocks get? 
My man's undercarriage is bone dry. It's going to be fine. <laughs> little Sandy. Fine. A little Sandy. Uh, <laughs> Kale, did you, did you answer? I said Spider-Man, but now I right. think Wolverine. That's awful. Oh, that's that's so yeah. much worse. <laughs> yeah. Just because like your back's ass. Marco, did you go for one? Yeah, Glob Herman. You gotta, Glob Herman, right. You okay. cleanse him. Of course. Uh, thank you. Definitely not Sean Soapbox for that comment. Great exercise. Wait, yeah. did, did, did Pete pick one? Yeah, I'm going with Jean Grey, I guess. <laughs> wow. The filthiest X-Man. Yeah. <laughs> Cleanliness is next to godliness, and she is absolutely a goddess. So. That sounds like she's a wretch. Don't talk like that. <laughs> dare you. Uh, Good God. So this week in comics Twitter. Oh, by the way, thank you all for your comments. We really appreciate all that. Yeah, um, thanks for writing Keep in. writing in. Uh, you guys choose to do that on YouTube, which is really great. That actually helps us out a ton. Um, and it kind of creates like a, it, it creates a, a loop where the more comments we get, the more comments we get. And the more the show circulates among people who might not otherwise see it, commenting and subscribing are literally, as far as I'm aware, the two biggest things you can do to help a channel grow. And share. So, and sharing, of course, yeah. absolutely. Um, so please do keep doing that. Yeah. If you're like Pez and you've been like a longtime listener and haven't written in, we'd love to hear from you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, join our Discord server too. If you don't feel comfortable having your comments read on the air or you know whatever, uh, we don't we don't read. We read like point sure. one percent of the stuff that's on the Discord server. Um, That'd be the whole show, otherwise. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So if this you feel week. like you want to just chat with us without it being publicized, definitely just join the server. But. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about comics Twitter because it really blew up this week. Our main topic, we're going to be talking about what went on with Batman and, you know, DC saying that uh, Batman can't go down on Catwoman uh, and how that caused a firestorm on the Internet. But uh, that wasn't the only thing that caused some uh, drama. One of the other points of drama, there's like three things that constantly get talked about on Twitter, comics Twitter. Uh, one of them is the writer v. artist conversation, which always pops up. Yep. We dealt with that on the show uh, last week, I think. Um, the other one, another major one, is the conversation about piracy that always mm -hmm. seems to crop up. And this week, the, the wheel turned to the piracy conversation. And apparently, a 16-year-old kid was justifying piracy he was justifying his pirating of comics and that circulated to where so many of the blue checkmark comic creators uh weighed in on this so many fans weighed in on this and it's a really interesting discourse obviously we've tackled this before but it's funny because first of all right like in my opinion uh you don't have to you don't have to uh join every argument or discourse that you're invited to or that's going on. You're not even necessarily invited. <laughs> Great life lesson. Yeah. Um, but second of all, and this is what I said on the episode where we talked about that. And I'm going to repeat it because, you know, whatever. If they can do that conversation again on Twitter, we can do it on this podcast. You're not going to sell someone on not pirating, 
right? Like if that's your just what you do, yeah, you probably you 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 likely do it because you have to because you can't get it any other way. You don't have the money, and you but you want the content, so you're like, well, I'll just pirate it. Um, and there's no way around that, right? Like, how are you going to stop that? The only reason you stop people from going to stores and stealing is because you get arrested, and there's a security guard, and people still try, right? Sure. Um, so you can't you can't get away from that. And that that counter argument is so silly because of those facts. So I just feel like it's a worthless conversation, and it's more important to figure out why people do it than how to stop it because you're not going to stop it. It's impossible. Yeah, I, I generally agree with you, um, and and I think that you know, and we've we've kind of had this discussion before. I, I think particularly when you're talking about um, someone who's underage, that feels like a really um weird hill to die on because at 16 you don't really have money um you know and like particularly like you know if you're 16 and like even if you have a job and everything how much money do you have how many comics can you buy versus how many do you want to read um and i would make the argument um and maybe it's biased because this is the kind of teenager that i was and then consumer that i turned into but like i pirated stuff when i didn't have money and then when i had money i bought stuff and the stuff that I'm ride or die for, I, I show up and I pay for it, you know? Um, and, you know, generally the stuff that I pirated and didn't get into, I wasn't going to pay for anyway. You, maybe they lost one sale from me, but I wasn't going to stick around and read a hundred issues of a book I didn't enjoy, right? right. Um, you know, whereas like, you know, like cards on the table, like when I was a teenager, you know, like I remember I downloaded like Marvel's major events chronology because I wanted to read all of these events and comics were really expensive. And I had read every comic at my local library and I was out and I wanted more shit. And like I went and bought trades and I would read them in a weekend, you know, and it's like I can't keep up with this. Um, So for like a 16 year old kid to be doing that, like I almost feel like the trade off that you have there of potentially making a lifelong reader. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all, it's like almost an investment, you know? Um, and maybe that's easy for me to say when I, you know, um, I'm not a professional creator and I give most of the things that I make away for free. So, you know, that's easy for me to say. Right. Um, but I, I, I look around my space at, how much uh, Spider-Man shit I've bought or Batman shit I bought. And it way outweighs the number of comics that I pirated when I was 14 to 17 and money was tight. I think to your point on it being like a good starter for like, like this is a primer for that kid to become that fan. Um, I mean, if anything, instead of critiquing him or criticizing him, like, hey, what are you reading? Like, what are you into? Like, where can we continue to point you to, like, get to places where along down the line, you can become that consumer for people who aren't just big names, big um, associated with, like, the big two. They're smaller creators, like, maybe are hard to pirate anyway, because they're so small that you have to give uh, money to purchase something. And on the off chance that when they do, they're able to continue and do that, like, we, we get the image reviews, right? But like, I'll still go out and buy this, the very same issues that we uh, read on the, on mm-hmm. the show. Cause like, uh, I'm, we're still supporting comics at the end of the day, regardless of the format in which we, in way in which we get them, uh, because we have the means. And that's pretty much what it comes down to, right? Having the means, you should be able to go out and support the art and uh, should just necessarily mandate must. And, um, that's the reality of it 
Um, but at the end of the day, if you have it, buy comics, support comics. And if somebody doesn't have the means to, shit, yo, kid, where do you live? Like, let me send you this really good ass book that whatever, you know? Like, Mark wants to track down children. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. You're taking it hey, to kid, a bad place, where do you Bill. Live? <laughs> what do you like? <laughs> <laughs> Um, and, and I will say though, uh, something that I do think that, you know, especially if we're talking about young pirates, right? Like, um, ex- ex- pirates. <laughs> explore your other opportunities. Um, if you live in a place with a local library, um, go check it oh, out. Yeah. Most libraries have a comic book section. And I know, um, I was super, super privileged that the town that I grew up in, um, the Ocean County in New Jersey, their library system is really good. And all of the libraries exchange books. So they had an insane amount of comics that I was able to get access to for free. Um, and then you also do have like services like Comixology, you know, where like for a smaller price, you can get access to a, a pretty big number of books. So, um, you know, obviously you shouldn't steal art. Right. Like you should support the artists. You should support the creators. But um, I do think it's important to recognize that like comics are expensive. They're prohibitively expensive. And for like a teenager, for someone who's living paycheck to paycheck, they're they're a luxury, you know, and like that doesn't mean that you're entitled to them. But I also don't think it's good for us to like price people's interest out when they're young because the 16 year old in four or five, 10 years or whatever, right? Like if they're still reading comics, that's probably a person who goes to the shop every week and spends money. Yeah, totally. And and also, by the way, you know, I, I get why creators would be mad about that. There's yeah. no reason why they shouldn't be mad about knowing that their stuff's being pirated. And, you know, it sucks and it hurts. And if your book is not, you know, if you don't work for Marvel or DC, and it really matters every single purchase. I can see how you would go, well, you know, I forget the name of the creator who, who said this, but they were like, well, my book sold, you know, what was it, like 10,000, 20,000 copies. And I made, I, I went neg on creating the book, but then I look and see that it's been pirated and read 40,000 times. And that would have amounted to X amount of dollars in my pocket that I don't get. Yeah. And I understand the temptation to look at it that way, but like Pete said, the likelihood is that a majority of those people probably wouldn't have bought it anyway. Um, and I think that it is worth pointing out that like there are people who are just shitty and entitled, you know, and like if you have the money, buy the book. One hundred percent. So yeah, that's. That's a little uh, a little dive into comics Twitter um, as a reference back to a conversation we had a couple of weeks ago about the, you know, the mentality of people who are constantly negative online. Um, that is another one of the conversations that circulates in comics Twitter where it's like, oh, people should be less negative. The reviews are harsh. And then there are people who say, well, negativity is a part of life, blah, blah, blah. One of our favorite creators, um, I'm not going to say their name, uh, basically went on a tirade against a movement for positivity in discourse, saying that that's basically like silencing people's negative opinions. And 
uh, I guess it's the audio version of a subtweet, but uh, no, it's not. It's not about silencing people. It's about upholding what's good and what's positive and not necessarily shitting on things that you don't like. You can obviously still talk about things that are bad. You just don't have to shit on them. Yeah, I, I think there's a big differ- difference between encouraging positivity and trying to enforce some kind of like positivity culture, right? Like, right. Uh, at least at this in this podcast, right? Like, we're extremely critical of things that we don't like. That happens all the time. But there's a difference between being like critical about a piece of art and like going on Twitter to just spew negativity. Um, and I think they're very different things, you know, and like, and, and at the end of the day, like it's your Twitter feed, you're allowed to do whatever you want with it. You know, everyone's entitled to their opinion. Um, but I know that the thing that you said a couple weeks ago, Sean, that really resonated with me was that like, that shit does have an effect on you, right? Like, like constantly being negative and putting yourself in a negative place and looking for things to tear down or pick apart is not good for you. And it, it, it makes you more negative and it, makes other people around you feel negative and it makes other people not want to be around you because it's a fucking bummer. Mm-hmm. And but we can't roast Sean today. We can't tear him down. We roast wow. each other every week. You know, this is the positivity episode. <laughs> to, to that though, I think uh, our conversation with Jeremy Holt and they mentioned that they're critical with their own work and it, it took like however many number of revisions for him to feel comfortable for them to feel comfortable and then at some point they didn't like it and they hated it and it was just a terrible thing Uh, but when it comes out and that almost becomes like a self-fulfilling prophecy for some of these creators and that affects them so definitely being being able to promote critique versus just a negative reaction i think is also helpful and positive for the overall community yeah Mm -hmm. i'm happy to hear why someone doesn't like something what i don't ever ever want to see ever again it's not ever productive is when someone's like i like something and then you someone's first reaction or instinct is to reply that thing sucks that person sucks it's just like go fuck yourself what if the person does suck though like actually suck then it's fine Okay. <laughs> You'll be able well, to back it up, though, is the thing. Yeah, <laughs> right, like, show the receipts. Like, <laughs> yeah, show the receipts. Well, uh, we intend on being very positive about the next books we're going to talk about in the Pals Pulls segment. So, Marco, why don't you start off with Stray Dogs number five? Man, you're muted. Whoops. So, Stray Dogs, I feel like I've uh, I've been pumping this book for... Uh, a while now. It's awesome. Uh, I'm actually going to get Marina to read it because oh. we read the first issue together and she actually liked it. She liked the art style. Um, it's very Disney-esque and in its presentation, but the content and the actual story is dark as fuck. Like, <laughs> animals getting killed and um, the a serial killer overall. You lost me like, and Sean. <laughs> it, Are they like... Cr- are they like anthropomorphic? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, oh, okay. it's sort of like a beast of burden. If you guys have read that, Evan Dorkin, um, I'm forgetting the artist, uh, but really, really cool stuff. I, I definitely recommend it to anybody who's a fan of sort of horror and maybe a little gore. Wasn't the thing that like they're trying to solve a murder or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Sounds super interesting. Dude, you got to get into Black Side. I know I have it. I just haven't picked it. I haven't so read you it. Gotta, you got to do it. Yeah. 
if if this is what it sounds like, then that'll be right up your street. Right. You also chose Wonder Woman Black and Gold number one. Uh, yeah, this looked cool. I'm a Wonder Woman fan. I'll read a book <laughs> that comes out. I don't remember. I remember we talked about this in the show, but I don't remember like the specifics of it. But the art style itself looks pretty striking, and that's enough to get me on a book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll probably pick this up too. Cover uh, looks sick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Phil chose Infinite Frontier number one. That's right. Uh, it's interesting. So we just did the uh, multiversity book club, as you mentioned at the top, which is something you guys should definitely listen to. Uh, yeah, so it's Joshua Williamson and uh, Zermanico on art. This is basically the fallout of what happened in Dark Knight's death metal, uh, which I think for the most part we all had kind of mixed feelings on. Mm. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm hot off multiversity and I see, uh, I see Calvin Ellis Superman on the front and I'm kind of into it. I'll at least give it a shot. Yeah, I think uh, Joshua Williamson is kind of becoming the it feels like they're making him into the architect of this phase of the DC universe. And so if you're interested in that, this is definitely the book to be reading. Um, and him and Zermanico are definitely super talented, so it should be good. Hopefully. Uh, Phil and Pete both chose Way of X number three. Yeah, I feel like Pete and I were maybe the highest on Way of X. Uh, I know a lot of us liked issue two quite a bit. Uh, Simon Spurrier, I think he's doing a great job. I think Bob Quinn's doing a really nice job with art as well. Um, you know, this book is taking kind of a more, um, uh, you know, metaphysical approach to uh, the whole Krakoa way of life, kind of really start taking a step back and evaluating uh, the morality of everything that's happening there. And who better to be the central figure of that than uh, our good blue fuzzy elf, Kurt Wagner, the amazing Nightcrawler. Yeah, I think that sums it up really well. Um, the X books that deal with sociological themes and and those kind of deeper questions about what it means to be a mutant in a post Krakoa world are definitely the things that I'm most interested in exploring. Um, and uh, yeah, this that's basically what this book is all about. So I'm I'm into it. Let me uh, let me read you the little overview that's on the uh, website <clears throat> in all caps. Make more mutants, Marco. Hell yeah. Uh, it's the Hellfire oh, Gala Mark. Hangover. Nightcrawler tries to root out the evil, working to destroy Krakoa by investigating all its laws, starting with Ellipsis' sexy saxophone solo. That's so strange. Nightcrawler's about to get it done, is what that means. We saw him at the Hellfire Gala. My man is like... Four drinks deep, he's going out there. <laughs> I, think this is, I think this issue is now officially on Marco's pull list. <laughs> well, let me strengthen that. The tease at the end of issue two was Onslaught. Oh, that's, that's right. right. Yep, yep. Issue three is Marco. Very exciting. Uh, I chose Batman Reptilian number one. Um, this is by Garth Ennis and Liam Sharp. I don't need to know anything else. That's a pretty strong creative team. Yeah. Uh, the only thing that could happen in this book that would turn me off would be if Batman literally turned into a reptile. A reptile. Um, and I don't think that's going to happen. So this should be a lot of fun. I'll tell you uh, what, though. I wouldn't mind mm-hmm. seeing that drawn by... Uh, um, you Liam just, Sharp? Yeah, yeah, Liam Sharp. Liam Sharp's so fucking good. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. Uh, 
I wouldn't mind seeing that either. The uh, covers and stuff seem to suggest that there will be something like that, but I know that they are debuting a new villain, uh, I believe, called Reptilian. They're bringing back Amalgam. <laughs> yeah. It's Killer Croc sure. and Doc uh, Doc uh, Curtis Connors. <laughs> now we're talking. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'll be on board for that one. And then Sword 6. So, uh, first of all, uh, planet-sized X-Men dropped this week. And we won't be spoiling that here. We won't be talking about that much. If you want to hear our thoughts on that issue, go listen to our review. Uh, we reviewed several books this week. We reviewed that one. Uh, we reviewed Venom 200 as a special request from one uh, Matt Murphy. Uh, we reviewed um, Jupiter's Requiem, yep. number one, which uh, you know is the follow-up slash you know series that will conclude the jupiter's story um and we read supergirl woman of tomorrow and uh oh yeah static static number one which by the way so disappointing on my birthday i go to midtown they don't have it they sold out they sold out yeah because dc sucks ass and dc (sighs) comics are on sale on tuesday that's right. That's, That's right. So, happy birthday to me. I didn't even get that. I bought three co- three copies of Planet Size X-Men, each different cover. Oh, They're all sick. gorgeous. They all feature Jean Grey. Sean, um, uh, yeah. speaking of Planet Size X-Men, um, I made a bet with you. Oh. And you know what? It came, it came true. We're not going to spoil it here, but uh, Sean, Rebecca might be coming around the corner with something. Um, what the f- the timing was perfect. How did you time that so well? I'm holding Popeyes in my hand. Holy shit. Wow. Fuck. That was literally perfect. Marco, how did you just do that? That was incredible. Holy shit. I'm holding Popeyes in my hand right now. We literally made a bet. We literally bet. As promised, fries. And the uh, five-piece chicken tenders. I don't promise. even remember what the bet was yeah, about. That's incredible. Talk about the bet later. Tell us now. What is the bet? The bet was. This is a spoiler. Okay. No, no, it's no. a spoiler. If you don't want to hear this, skip ahead thirty seconds. Go ahead. Okay. okay. So when at the end of um, one of the X Men books we read yesterday, X Men Twenty One, I think, where they show the red orb, and I was like, oh, but it looks miniature. It's small. I don't understand. Sean goes, it's Mars. It has to be Mars. And I'm like, bullshit. If it's Mars, I'm getting you exactly what he did, what I just ordered. Wow. There you go. And you know what? I read it this week. It was true. There you go. And, and, <laughs> and so that would mean, that would mean, right, that we should be using the hashtag Sean was right. <laughs> on this episode and the review and every episode on this so far. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, yeah. and by the way, haven't watched Loki number two. But the internet sucks and I'm spoiled. So I think I was right times two this week. Is that correct, Kale? Without spoilers. Uh, Kale doesn't remember. You're asking the wrong person. (laughs) Remember the review we did and I said we talked about who we thought it was at the end of the episode. And you had your theory and I had mine. Did you? Well, if you're spoiled, then yeah. Okay. yeah, 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 you must be you right must times be, right? two. Yeah. My God, it's amazing. There you go. Yeah, happy birthday, Sean. Happy birthday, um, Sean. Happy birthday, bud. Sean, so yeah. just to confirm, you never got a copy of Static? 
No. Oh, I'm going to the Burbs today. I'll try to find you one. Thanks. Yeah, if they have it. Yeah. I'll send you one on Comixology. <laughs> oh, wait. Shit. Um, so I, I was trying to bring up sword number six, which was my pull, uh, because <laughs> of the of what happens in Planet Size, it seems like sword number six is the direct follow up to that. I'm not actually reading every Hellfire Galatian because I just I just I don't know. I don't feel pressed to, but I certainly think it's worth reading this particular issue. Cool. Um, feels good to be right. Thanks, Marco. I mean, you got Popeyes, man. That was awesome. Do you need to take a break? You want to go eat that? I got to. I got to say, that was probably one of the best moments of production in this. (laughs) I can't believe that that worked out that way. I literally was. (laughs) talking about the book and I heard my door and my girlfriend goes and for some reason she's taking forever to get back and then she walks up to me with Popeyes as you're saying like how did she even know that was just so crazy like what are you a maestro how did you like I can't have his dress dude he's a maestro we've been coordinating that that was put together even better than what we did at the beginning (laughs) of the episode like (laughs) I handle logistics baby do you have any other is there anything else that's going to happen on this episode <laughs> okay that so I, know? I feel like now's a good time since we're here right um i got this for you like a year or two ago oh that's so nice Ooh. signed by the man <gasps> whoa, whoa! <What>? <laughs> really? signed by the man himself christopher claremont how uh, I, one of my friends, uh, at the, the shop I used to go to in the city, um, there had been some event and he had, he had happened to, to go, got this book, this trade signed. I was perusing it, saw it. And I'm like, holy shit, this is signed. He's like, yeah, you want it? I'm like, sure. Whatever. He's like, cool. I'll give it to you half off. Whatever. You've been here before. I'm like, yo, cool. All right, cool. Fucking signed. Um, and yeah, I was just like, you know what? This would be a perfect gift for Sean. Wow, thank you so much, man. That's that's really amazing. That is I don't, awesome. I don't think I, I don't think I have that version of the book either. I don't have that cover. I don't think so. The, the trade, okay. Yeah, cool, perfect. Wow, uh, that was uh, the Dark Phoenix Saga. Yes, signed by Chris Claremont. Uh, that's an amazing gift. Thank you so much, man. That's that's really cool. Um, so before we move forward, any anybody else want to surprise me? Anybody got anything there? <laughs> well, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because i remember last year for your birthday we got you something we were really trying to coordinate it for like to come during the recording it just never came <laughs> that was yeah that was actually yeah that was cool too though um and you guys are great i i expected to be roasted i expected some you know something like that i think it'd be a nice episode <laughs> whoever gets a nice episode we, never we had to subvert your expectations yeah you know? <laughs> listen we were talking about the negativity on twitter we're the positive pals. We yeah, fucking right. we fucking do this every week. Like you get roasted on some level every week. Like <laughs> are we gonna be mean to you on your birthday? Like yeah. oh, come on. Yeah, listen, you're here each week, week in, week out. You wouldn't skip the show to have sex like some members of this podcast have, unless of course it was a nine foot giant woman that had red hair and was an anthropomorph- well, anthropomorphic furry. And who could blame? No, me? no, 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 no. Of course not. You're here each week. You wouldn't skip the show for anything. Yeah, I'll be. Uh, I'll be here next week. No, that's no. it. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Appreciate it, guys. Well, we appreciate Let's... you. Thanks. 
let's let's do the news. Let's talk about Spider Man. Um, Nick Spencer first. <laughs> Nick Spencer's Spider Man run is coming to an end uh, this September. After three years, Nick Spencer is going to be hanging up the webs to say goodbye to Spider Man with Amazing Spider Man number seventy four which is the actually the 875th issue of Spider-Man, if you factor in the legacy numbering. Uh, it's going to be an 80-page blockbuster, according to Marvel. Uh, it's going to feature Patrick Gleason, Mark Bagley, Marcelo Ferreira, and more artists. Um, I got to say that I was so, so, so excited for this run. Before it started, I mean, Nick Spencer and Ryan Otley mm -hmm. at the time, especially coming off of uh, Secret Empire, which was what was most recent to me of Nick Spencer's work. I couldn't imagine, you know, a, a better creative team. And, you know, it was, it was cool, but I didn't love it. I didn't love it how I thought I would. Yeah. It was quickly obvious that Ryan was not going to be drawing every single issue of the comic. And that sucked because that was a big part of the draw. And then I just didn't feel the heat from Nick Spencer the way I thought I would. Um, I feel like going back and revisiting the run now that it's going to be over. But I honestly haven't heard the things about it that make me feel like going back. You know, I, that is exactly how I feel, Sean. And, like, I saw this week a lot of people talking about it because of the announcement that it was ended. And, like, the overwhelming opinion that I saw showing up on, on our feed was that like, it just hasn't felt like there was much to it. Like it's been such a slow burn that it makes it feel like it's just, you know, kind of like been circling the drain, which is such a bummer. So is this yeah. the issue where Spider-Man joins Hydra or what? <laughs> Thank <I'm> you. Down. <laughs> Has Spider-Man ever joined the Sinister Six? Yeah, I, oh. I I think wasn't isn't there a story where he has to team up with them for some reason? Yeah, surely. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember what though. Yeah, um, <laughs> guys, I really need to deliver these newspapers for J. Jonah Jameson. Can you help me? <laughs> All right, <laughs> Spider Man. <laughs> a Twinkie, a Twinkie advertisement. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he uh, uh, he huck he Huckleberry finned him into uh. Uh, delivering the papers for, for Twinkies. <laughs> guys, Aunt May needs to have her help. Can you guys help her clean her house, please? The only way to stop Spider-Man is if we deliver all of these pizzas for Peter Parker. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was perfect. Who do you guys think should replace him? Who do you want to see replace Nick Spencer? Chip Zdarsky. Boom, wow. Pete! My okay. fucking man, Phil. Hell yes. Yeah, I, no brainer, I think, honestly. Like, I feel like every Spider-Man thing I've read from him in the last couple of years, I've liked, at least on some level. Um, I've been saying it during our Spider-Shadow stuff where I just, I think he just gets the character in the way that I want the character to be written. And I think that's why I continue to connect with his his Spider-Man stories. Um, so the idea of him, like, coming up to the plate for for amazing i feel like would be um amazing, amazing. yeah frankly 
And, and his Daredevil run's been awesome. And I feel like it's earned at this point. Like, he's one of the premier guys at Marvel. He's written a bunch of Spider-Man stories that have, you know, been at least um, critically successful. I can't speak to the sales. I don't, I'm not paying attention that closely. But um, I don't know. I just, I feel like it's his time. I'm with you. That would have been my pick. That is, that is my pick. Is there anybody else, like, in Marvel that's not on a bunch of books? I feel like it's got to be somebody who's... Mm, that'd be a big name i don't know somebody who's like not swamped down like i feel like an hour to bring ben this back oh god i mean like that's the thing though like chip <laughs> is working on a good amount right now but i feel like daredevil is his only ongoing right well he's got he's got indie stuff going too yeah he's got a, oh, oh right i forgot image yeah uh my pick mm. i guess I, I don't know i i haven't been so high on zdarsky's other spider-man works though i think you 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 could be right he would have a um probably something good to say on amazing um oh by the way sean i started daredevil nice oh nice good man it's so good i gotta try that you're you're loving Um, it you love it dude so you've been telling me since it came out (laughs) yeah uh but uh my my pick would be uh tom taylor Interesting. Huh. Okay. But I think. Uh, I think. <laughs> what? I'm. I'm not laughing because that's not a good pick. It actually is. I'm laughing because this very same week they announced what Tom Taylor's next Marvel book would that's be. That's right. Yeah. That's Spider-Man right. tease, and then it's it's another alternate universe story. Yeah. Those are the only stories that Marvel or DC throw Tom Taylor now. <laughs> yeah. Pigeonholed. Uh, but his uh, his run on Nightwing right now. Is uh, seems like it's real hot. Um, I guess Dude. my my only counterpoint to myself on that is he might be doing on Nightwing what he sh- he would be doing on Spider Man, and it's too good. Mm. Too good to be on a Spider Man book? No, that's like too similar. That it's like he's already doing that, and pulling him over to this would just be kind of playing the same hits. Yeah, but well, I mean that's that's the relationship between Marvel and DC. So well. Who yeah, do you think I mean, would we Tom get- Taylor's doing like the Superboy title at DC, right? I think so as well. Yeah. So that's like a pretty one of the Superman ones. Yeah, that's like a pretty big one. Who do we I think mean, we well, want on as art? Well as Nightwing. Art, man, wow, that's a big question. I don't know who you put on it. Liam right Sharp, baby. I mean, sure. <laughs> I, I, I would really want Leo. Was it Leonardo Romero? But Ooh. I feel like he's not. It's not the style they're probably going for at, at this kind of point, but he has this really sort of cartoony, classic, yeah, in that, style in that same vein of like Doc Shaner. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, yeah, I would Doc love Shaner. a Spider-Man book that looks like this. Yeah, right. Tim Zdarsky yeah. and Doc Shaner. I, oh, I definitely going to name all DC exclusive artists, Phil. <laughs> I definitely hear you in terms of it maybe not being the right flavor for like an amazing Spider-Man monthly, but mm-hmm. I really like it. I would be super cool. I think it would be cool if they took that direction. If um, they, I mean, if they did something similar to what like uh, Mark Wade and Chris Samney did on Daredevil, you know, if they like mm. run Spider-Man into the fucking ground, you know, at the end of uh, Nick Spencer's run or have him join Hydra or some shit. Um, that would be Leonardo Romero would be a great artist to bring that up. Yo, um, Michael Allred would be cool. You know who I want? Oh, that would never happen. Yeah, we but just yeah, it would we, be incredible. This is another like this will never happen. But we talked about this back in January, 
um, that Yannick Paquette left DC. Oh my god! How Ooh. fucking sick! I I would love I that. Oh, I I, feel, I feel like he would nail it. I'd be very happy to talk to him about that at the next Comic Con. <laughs> give me give That'd me Chip and Yannick Paquette on this book, and I feel like rad. I feel like that would be such a fucking team. My answer is a little pedestrian, but I would love to see Ryan Stegman uh, take this book. Oh, all right. He doesn't have a book currently, I don't think, um, post-Venom. If it's been announced, I missed it. But if he's free, I think that would be huge. I'm sure that within the next month or so, we're going to hear whatever his next project is. And if Amazing is looking for a new team, it's a little interesting that he's not announced on anything yet that I'm aware of. I'm looking at his Twitter right now. I'm, I'm not... I don't know. I'm not seeing anything. Yeah, I mean, Venom literally just ended. So. Right. He's yeah. promoing um, that. So, like, could be. Yeah. We'll see. We we, we sh- certainly don't have long to wait. They're not going to leave uh, that thread dangling for too long as to what the creative team will be. But it might be too early to take the wind out of the sails of what Nick Spencer's doing as he, you know, yeah. gets to the end of his run. I bet you we learn about it in the next, like, two months maybe like towards the end of that you know like closer to august when we're like a month or so out from it and it would be time to start putting it in solicits and everything i think that's when we'll probably actually learn about it by solicits i'd say sooner than that that is that is true yeah because maybe july uh, yeah yeah typically it's like about what three months out three four months yeah yeah Yeah, i mean that would be it then Mm -hmm. well no if the last one's in september It'd be somewhere July, August. We'll probably hear about it. Again. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Uh, so here's a book we do know the creative team for. Uh, Kamala Khan is getting a new Miss Marvel series. That's smart. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It is, it's, it's definitely smart. Wow. Did they um, time that well? Sometimes Marvel gets it right. Every once in a while. Broken clocks right even twice a day, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this is actually the fourth title that that uh, Miss Marvel has had since she debuted. Uh, this one's going to be written by Samira Ahmed, uh, who is a uh, young uh, a young adults book writer. Traditionally, cool. uh, love, hate, and other filters is their their I guess their big hit. And then uh, Andres Ginolet, um is going to be doing art on this book. So that's cool. Um, this is what has been said about, um, about the book, uh, uh, or I should say this is what's been said about Ahmed. Um, she's known for her groundbreaking work, uh, and we'll dive deep into Kamala's powers and the strength behind what makes her a hero. Kamala has been an Avenger, a champion, and even the chosen one. What comes next? Um, and then she said, uh, Ahmed herself said, For kids of color, Muslim kids, there was literally zero representation when I was growing up. So when Sana Amanat and G. Willow Wilson announced Miss Marvel, I was just so stunned. My heart soars for all the kids who have Miss Marvel comics as part of their childhood. That's pretty cool. Um, I I think it's sad that Miss Marvel has struggled to keep a book going. Although Marvel does enjoy just relaunching things instead of those longer yeah. running series, like we'll probably never really see books reach into the hundreds ever again organically. Um, so it might not be a sales issue, but we've talked before about the sales problems that 
uh, Miss Marvel and Miles Morales Spider-Man have suffered in the past. So hopefully this relaunch helps, but uh, I kind of doubt it. I think I think it it's so interesting because like we've talked about how it really can be kind of a crapshoot whether or not the pipeline from um you know multimedia to comics like works um but it does sometimes right like you think about how after guardians came out like the guardians became a lot more popular they have series that are bestsellers they have multiple ongoings and it, Guardians is a thing now in a way that it wasn't prior to, you know, James Gunn's uh, film. And I think Kamala is probably in a similar boat um, where there is like people like the character. There is a fan base for the character. I think that there is um, desire and and, you know, hunger for that character to find a place to succeed. But I think that, you know, to your point, Sean, right, like getting traditional comics readers to buy into a new character is already tough um, when there isn't runs that are going for longer with an established team that can get in a groove. I think that also makes it harder to maintain momentum and and maintain a fan base in that way. Um, Whereas I think the alternative, right? Like you look at like Miles and Miles is a character that I think now years after his inception is finally coming into his own. Um, between the film, he just had his video game. Like, I think you see a trajectory where that character becomes more and more popular over the next couple of years as people get more exposed to him. And I think the same is going to be true for Kamala. Um, because when you think about how you can experience Kamala as a character, you're way limited in terms of mass media, you know? Um, so the fact that like there's going to be a TV show and then you have this book that is going to be new reader friendly and also written by a YA author, um, I think means that you have a book that's probably really accessible for younger readers who are probably the people that are going to be most likely to be interested in, in a Kamala anyway. Her time will come, I think. Yeah. I think this is a good indicator of uh, starting to ramp up the, you know, let's expose this character to a wide audience thing. Yeah. This is part of that synergy plan. Especially considering she's going to be in, in the movie, the Marvels, yeah. afterwards as well. Like the this this is all in effect to be able to have to be able to say, hey, cool, this is sort of the character you want to go for the comics people. This is where you can go for the multimedia movie people. It'll be in this next iteration <laughs> on uh, on film, and I think definitely it makes sense for like the the short term. Um, they can tie everything together. It does have that synergy, boost some sales, um, even if it's a little bit. And then whether or not they maintain the audience, I think that's going to depend on how the movie performs and how the character sort of lands with people. Yeah, because that's that's probably going to be um, the deciding factor for uh, for the success of the book as well. Probably even even if it's not sales, I think uh, the movie and how people receive the character is going to be really important to to tell what Marvel's going to do next with the book. Yeah. And and I, I do think like if, if there is success between the, the film and, and the show and everything like that, Kamala definitely has a, a real opportunity to be, you know, cause I, the, um, forgive me. I forget the name of the writer we were just discussing. Um, Oh, um, Samira Ahmed, Samira Ahmed, right. She made the point about how, um, you know, there was like literally zero representation when I was growing up for, for, you know, for Muslim kids, and I mean, that's still true, 
right? Like Kamala is absolutely an outlier, and we're talking about how she's a minor character who's like on the cusp of breaking out, you know? Um, I feel like that's a character that has so much potential to mean so much to so many people. Um, so I, I'm glad to see that it feels like they are committed to getting her over because I don't think it's a lot of work to get from where she is to where she, where they want her to be and where she should be. Mm. Uh, it's worth pointing out that Scarlet Witch books have sold really, really, really well post uh, WandaVision. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They re- reprinted finally the uh, Scarlet Witch and Vision uh, trade that covers like their whole history together. And that book's been gone. It's been out of print um, for like 20 years or something, right? Like an yeah, insane amount of time. <laughs> and then they finally reprinted it and it's been doing really well. So there is a bump. I think that that is, it bodes well. But the difference is, and the lesson to take from that example is that that book is a book you can actually buy that will catch you up on everything you need to know about those characters. And most of the time, Marvel and DC do not have offerings like that. That's a very concise thing for yeah. a, a person who just watched the show. Like, where can I know more? And then websites or podcasts like this one are like, hey, this happens in such and such issue. This is directly from the comics, blah, blah, blah. Well, where can I see that? We have a book for you, right? Mm-hmm. That's perfect. And I think they should do that more. Yeah. The, the benefit too, though, with Kamala Khan is she's a fairly recent character, yeah. so her history is short. But I think, I mean, her her books up until you know the past couple of years have sold really, really well. I know her original run was really yeah, popular. yeah. So I would imagine you know those are still in print and not hard to get. I know the um, it's like the first two volumes of her of her original run. I remember were like really big selling yeah. trade paperbacks, yeah. and I remember like I bought them for like my cousin's kid and stuff like that when they were like new and she was fourteen or whatever, you know. Um, and it was like one of like when you went to the Barnes and Noble at my college, that was like our bookstore. Um, yeah. they had a rack of like here are comics you should read them, and then they had a comic section, and that and her. Volume one was one of the books that they were like highlighting at the time as like, get into comics. (laughs) Mm. So moving forward, uh, Mark Millar is, you know, this, this man is always working. He's announcing the next volume of the magic order. So uh, in the back of Jupiter's Requiem, we got some information about when the magic order would return uh, it's going to be coming back in October, but it's not going to feature the bomb art of Olivier Coipel. Uh, instead, it will be drawn by Stuart Eminen. Also mm. bomb. Nice. Yes. <laughs> um, That's a trade. It's a trade. I am a little bit disappointed by that. Really? Yeah. Why? I think it is, it is a step down, but it's not a far step down. I think you're, you know... Olivier Coipel is a very polished style, mm-hmm. whereas I think I think Stuart Eminem is is a little bit more classic comics in a good way. I agree with that, and also don't get me wrong, I'm a huge Stuart Eminem fan. It's just that the Magic Order's look 
was crafted by Koi Pell. So that's what I want to see for it. And any other artist, I would have been like, eh, just because of that. Um, but Stuart Eminem and Mark Millar obviously have history with each other. I believe Eminem was the artist on on Empress. Um, uh, so, yeah, I mean, they they definitely have worked together before. Yeah, and, uh, that's true. You know, Empress. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it, it'll most likely be good. And then also um, we'll be getting a third volume that will feature art by Gigi Cavanago. Uh, I'm not familiar with that artist. So, yeah, me neither. Um, uh, did anyone here read the Magic Order? We read it together. Not all of it. We not, read like not, an not issue or two, it, but we started the fir- I think the first couple. Um, I liked it. I, I. It's funny though. I was thinking about this. Like when I saw that this was in the thing, I was like, "Oh, cool! Next volume." And then I'm like, I don't remember like anything that happened in that book. Like I liked it, but I feel like I am so hazy on what the details were. Besides. It's like mob family, but they got magic. <laughs> it's a magic version of Jupiter's legacy. Okay, I get it then. Well, I don't need to pick it up. <laughs> it's it's real good though. Um, I I think you would enjoy it. The the thing that I enjoyed the most about it was the way that it used magic was actually really different than any other time that I had seen it. Uh, magic is very linearly used and a lot of times creators don't uh, think outside the box mm-hmm. and M- Millar clearly challenged himself to do that with this title so cool worth it for that alone uh, so we've got a link here to some art by Kavanago and boy oh boy yeah is good. Look good? I was gonna ask it, it huh. looks very similar to Koipel mm, yes yep here, I, uh, I've got their Instagram pulled up. I'm going to pull it on screen for you YouTube people. Oh, that's not working. I lied. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I changed my mind. Well, I've ruined the, the whole it, episode. It looks it looks very much like uh, uh, something that would work really well showing off magic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah for mm-hmm. sure. I could totally Absolutely. see that. It's a very like... Just, yep. Like the colors have like an almost like watercolor kind of like quality to it. Yeah, yeah. This is this is the good stuff. Like if 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 this person was the one who was gonna do volume two, I would say, wow, you know, it's not Koi Pao, but at least it feels like the book. Mm. Imminent style just doesn't really feel like this, right? So um, but still I'm excited. Cool. Cool. And maybe maybe by the point at which we get the third volume, the Netflix show will drop or movie or whatever it was going to be. Got to imagine it's coming. Yeah. See, I think it's installed. It's installed? No, I think it's been stalled. Probably. Oh, filming okay. probably got fucked up, right? Yeah. Yeah, COVID, yeah. You're probably right. So let's talk about something new, something unique. Comic tags. Now, this is something that I've never heard of before, and I read about it, and I thought this was so interesting that it was worth us diving into a little bit. So uh, I'm going to read heavily from the comicbook.com article to talk about this, um, because this is really all that I know about it. So um, they said, comic tags is a new product 
launched in partnership with Scout Comics and Entertainment as a way to both distribute and collect digital comic books, addressing some of the biggest problems that both comic collectors and comics publishers face in, di- in terms of digital comics. Think of them as a hybrid of comic books and trading cards, combining the experience and convenience of digital comics with the collectability trading cards of, of trading cards to offer the best of both worlds. Comic tags are limited edition collectible cards that have a unique code that allows collectors to download a PDF copy of the graphic novel featured on the card. The cards are attached to hangable backers that open and close just like a mini comic book, with the backers featuring interiors right from the comic. It gives customers a glimpse at what they're getting with the digital PDF as well as a physical piece of art they can collect right along with that collectible card. Comic tags are even packaged in their own bags for a true comic buying and collecting experience, just in miniature. Even the physical purchase of the cards has captured the comic buying experience with comic shops and retailers having the option to use comic tags display racks that are reminiscent of spinner racks. That's interesting in and of itself. But the other point that I want to uh, highlight here is that these are going to be $7. Whoa. Right. That's a lot. No. Think about it. These are $7. They give you a download code to the trade that that is associated with the Oh, okay. I totally missed that. I'm thinking it's issue by issue. That's actually a fucking great deal. (laughs) That's crazy. Yeah, that's awesome. Hey, that's the discount that you get for digital. That like like in in effect that you wouldn't actually get like via Comixology. Mm-hmm. Like that's sort of that kind of workaround. That's actually not a bad idea. Yeah, uh, I I think this is a really really interesting thing. Like it it made me feel like oh wow I could buy these. Wow, wow, okay. Interesting. And do you think you would want to read those comics digitally then? Like the PDFs? Like you'd be cool with that? Or would it just be for the collectible? So let's say Marvel or DC put this out. And it was a book that I really liked. I already read it. I already know I like it. I could easily see myself buying this for the collectible Mm -hmm. and then having access to the digital if I ever feel like I want to read it that way for whatever reason. But it would it would get me in the door towards that. And then also, if there's a trade that I really want to read, but I don't feel like spending $25, $30 for some of those more expensive Marvel trades, yeah. this would be a great way to read it without, obviously without pirating it, but to read it uh, and, and have something collectible. And then if I really enjoy it, okay, fine, I'll spend the, the 30 bucks. Now they they got me for $37 or whatever, but... I tried it before I, I made the full purchase and I got a cool collectible. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I think this is really interesting. Uh, I, I can definitely see the appeal of something like this. And I, I think it 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 speaks to a kind of untapped strategy in my mind of for marketing where like, and we've talked about this before, right? Where like there have been comics that come with a digital copy that you can scan like right in the book and then like things like that. Yeah. It's not like a totally unique idea, but like you think about how we are increasingly moving towards a digital only or, or digital first or, or digital preferred model in almost every, you know, um, artistic medium. And people, people want to collect things. 
Like there will always be collectors and it's why you saw vinyl come back, right? Like as people started getting digital, it's like, well, I don't need CDs, right? Like CDs had a purpose, right? Cassettes used to have a purpose. And yeah, there are people who buy vinyl and listen to vinyl and have a turntable and a collection and all that stuff. But I think that there are a lot more people who buy vinyl because they want to support an artist that they like. They want a physical piece of memorabilia for an album that they like or something like that. And they might never play the damn thing, but they want it. And I think this could could probably serve a similar purpose where you can have a collection, you can feel like you own something, you have a, a backup of it if you ever need to scan the PDF again. Um, it feels more permanent and it does have that appeal of, you know, I can have a rack. I can have a, a book with all my, my books in a binder or something like that. Like you can have that physical manifestation of your um, of your passion, right? Of your hobby. Um, that's why people like to have things, you know? So I, I feel like this, this seems like a really ingenious idea. I think the question is, what does distribution look like? Like, do you get comic shops to buy in on this? And I think maybe you do because you don't cut them out. It's, it's a digital solution, but you don't, you don't remove the, um, you don't remove the retail experience. You don't remove the community of a comic book store. You don't lose the customer service of if you have a good comic book store getting recommendations. You know, um, those are the things that people go to shops for, right? Like the story that Marco Turtle told earlier, where he knows his shop owner and his shop owner gave him a discount because he's a loyal customer. People want that. They want that experience. Um, and I think comics fans in general are not willing to, to let that go. Um, nor should we be. So this feels like a great evolution of letting people have their cake and eat it too. I, I think also to the to the store experience. Let's say you usually come for like like let's say I I would go to purchase this because I'm getting the trade because ultimately it's going to come out digital. Um, if someone like me is at the shop, I'll peruse. I'll find another thing like in physical because I'm I'm there that then I might add on to this purchase outside mm. of just the whatever the you came for. Right. Cause well, I'm there. I might as well look around, right? Like that's just the mentality that you come into a shop with. And I think that that's a good way to connect those people who are latent digital users and who just want to come back to the, to the community. Like I, I miss the store. I haven't been there in a year and a half cause I've just, I've switched to full digital, but I would love to still see some of the guys that were there. The owner who like calls every once in a while to be like, yo, what's going on? I'm like, Hey, you know, whatever. We have a little quick conversation just to see what's up. Um, and I think it'd be well worth it. Uh, I think on the, one of the other things I was thinking about as you guys were talking about it was the, the fact that because you could put them on a spinner rack, um, it makes it easier to display these things for a shop. So like something like in anyone comics, when we went to go visit in Brooklyn, um, Demetrios, right. Like he, he can put out a larger quantity of books to showcase in a small and in like the same sort of volume. Cause presumably these are going to be smaller than a regular comic and you can have them there as a way to be like, Hey, this looks interesting, but maybe I want the physical and that's not out on display, maybe less, less risk of damage for the book. And then you go, cool. Like, give me that. Hmm. I can give you the physical book. And you you can leave this digital tag as it is. My only beef with this being built for spinner racks is that 
I think there's a reason spinner racks went away. Um, I mean, I think obviously like if you go to a shop that has spinner racks and they don't bag and board their comics, it fucks them up. So that's like not great. I don't think you have that problem here. Like there's an image attached where it shows a comics tag rack and like they're all, they have like a little, um, a cutout at the top so you can slide it on the rack. So they're hanging, which is really pretty ingenious. But I think my issue with that is that spinner racks take up a lot more floor real estate than racks. You know, like I think about like, um, rest in peace, the, the, the comic books, uh, the record store that I took you guys to and where I lived in Jersey, um, was my favorite comic book store in, in New Jersey. And, um, granted they also had other stuff, but like their area where all their comics were, they had two whole walls of all the new releases and then two rooms filled with just long boxes and spinner racks. You're going to get, you know, a fraction of a fraction of the same amount of product on the floor, which is unfortunate. Yeah. From the volume perspective. I think the, the fact that it's novel will draw people to it. That's true. The fact that you don't see that is what makes it interesting, especially because when you look at them and you pick them up and they're not, you know, traditional comics or whatever, I think that that will appeal to people or it could appeal to people. So, go ahead. You make a strong point there too, right? You could have one rack out and when someone buys one, you put one back on. (laughs) Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's a good point. Um, That's a really good point. So again, this is a team up between Scout Comics and Comic Tags. Uh, Scout is going to be offering uh, a few of their books: uh, the the Mall, White Ash, Might Bender, a uh, Mind Bender, Stabity Bunny, It Eat What It What Feeds It, Gut Ghost, Solar Flare, and Source. Gut Ghost so, is a great fucking name. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's awesome. Um, Some of those are pretty good. I haven't I haven't read any of those. Um, I've heard of Stabity Bunny. Mm-hmm. That's about white it. ash, mind bender, and uh, it eats what it what feeds it. It's supposed to be like pretty pretty good for indie books. In the article, they say more titles are coming in the future, as are more publishers with comic tags tailored to each publisher's library with custom variants, holographic chase cards, limited edition foil, and metal cards, and even one of a kind limited edition and artist signed variant covers. Oh, no, just like the traditional co- comic collecting experience. That sounds really nice it does but that also sounds deadly (laughs) i'm just imagining like fast forward to like i don't know a couple years if this pops off and i'm just imagining like sean just sitting on the street with just stacks of comics but now he's also buying these things and he's like i bought three copies i have three copies of every book i had to get joker three three times Three times. <laughs> Three and four and five and six. And when, on and on. <laughs> one last thing I think is how is this going to go back to the to the shop? Because I wonder how. Yeah, I'm also curious about that. Like how, how is this going to be like, cool, you're paying $7 for this thing. What, what, what breaks out to the shop and is that more cost effective for them? How does that sort of work? And I guess you're, you're at least at the very least marrying a digital consumer to a shop, which is a great thing but I wonder what the cost distribution there is. Yeah. And I think that's something that they're going to have to really work out because Mm -hmm. obviously um, you're adding a whole other player into the mix as far as um, selling this stuff and and how does it 
you know, work out for everyone. But I think if this proves to be something that people are interested in, that people like, that people want, um, then the viability will be there just in terms of people buying it. So okay. I think this is a cool, um, this is a cool way to test the water. And I think probably the bigger publishers will be looking to see how this plays. I think something Hopefully. that's worth bringing up in the the financial conversation is that the margins on these are probably better because they have to be so much less money to produce. It's really cheap to make a digital code on a piece of paper. So like if you're talking about it has the cover and that looks nice and there's one or two pages in the interior or whatever they said, like it's got to be so much less money to print these. It, it it probably is, but also that's more inventory for these shops to to buy and then yeah. You also have to figure out like what percentage of those users, uh, of those customers, are going to come in specifically for digital comics. I think that I think that that um, comic tags is going to need to like probably pay some partners. Like they're going to need to like f- find stores that are willing to take the gamble with them. You know, yeah. with the hope yeah. that this goes somewhere. I hope yeah. it works out. It's a cool idea. Exactly. Um, and so we'll definitely keep our eye on that for the future. I know I'm interested. Um, but to close out the show, we're going to be talking about um, whether or not Batman gives oral. Frankly, the most important news story in comic book history, I think. Main event. I'm really glad that we're here to discuss it. So uh, I just slammed a little bit of Popeye's. Uh, we took a quick break here. and Is that a, uh, is that that a birthday euphemism? <laughs> Is that a Batman euphemism? Does that mean Sean's willing to go down? Popeyes always. Apparently, Batman doesn't get down, or better said, he doesn't go down. Uh, so, to set the stage, uh, Variety put out an article that was about a lot of things. It was it's the article's titled. How WandaVision, The Umbrella Academy, Harley Quinn subvert the superhero genre. So obviously that doesn't have anything to do with Batman on its face. Um, <clears throat> but within the article, they on reference. Face. <laughs> they I reference got that. <laughs> Harley Quinn and the ways that the show is different from, you know, a lot of other superhero media. And so this is now me reading from the article. Um, Harley Quinn is also unique among the current crop of comic content in that its main character and all of her closest allies are villains rather than heroes in the DC canon. That allows the show to do different things with the characters that heroes simply cannot do, at least according to DC. It's incredibly gratifying and free to be using characters that are considered villains because you have so much more leeway, says Halpern, who is one of the creators of the show. A perfect example of that is in this third season of Harley, when we had a moment where Batman was going down on Catwoman. And DC was like, you can't do that. You absolutely cannot do that. They're like, heroes don't do that. So we said, are you saying heroes are just selfish lovers? They were like, no, it's that we sell consumers toys for heroes. It's hard to sell a toy if Batman is also going down on someone. It it Mark would buy that toy. You never you never did that with your toys. <laughs> it's like oh well, and now I reciprocate. You know. 
Oh man, the show's oh, dead. Man. You know, I I like I like that peek inside Marco's personal life, and I appreciate the, <laughs> I appreciate the knowledge that you're not a selfish lover, Marco. Never. <laughs> Batman, on the other hand, apparently. Yeah, what the fuck, Batman? Like, I'm mad. Well, this this really caused. <laughs> the internet to blow way up i think it was it was safe to say it was it was a gate you know this is let batman eat pussy gate we've we're here <laughs> I, thought <you laughs> said, I thought you said it would it was a gape no, and no i was like oh no no you're a journalist you get it phil it's a gate uh-huh, I got you know you. that thing that people do yep no i got you i thought you were being disgusting <laughs> well there were so 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 many uh, comments and and bits of conversation on this subject, and it really it really spurred a conversation about you know so many different things. Uh, what how we should be representing our superhero characters in the wider media, especially media that is supposedly for adults. Um, you know why Batman can't you know engage in that act with Catwoman, but we've seen, you know, various different sexual acts um, in which the woman is, you know, performing an act and, 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 and why, you know, it can't be the reverse. Um, All that kind of jazz. I saw a lot of people bringing up, there was like that whole thing in the killing joke cartoon about him and like Barbara, like having a relationship and people were like super uncomfortable with that. And they're like, so that's cool, but he can't go down on his wife. Like, <laughs> yeah, um, all that kind of stuff. There were some funny comments that weren't necessarily, uh, you know, taking it all that seriously. Yeah, that weren't showing porn on the internet. <laughs> yeah, like this picture of-, of Jar Jar Binks walking away with Catwoman while Batman watches. <laughs> <laughs> I had that Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> Fucking savage. <laughs> That was, the, down. <laughs> that was the storyline that Sean played out. Like that's what you do with these toys. Confirmed. <laughs> yep, that's that's exactly what I did. Um I uh, okay, so I want to start with this because I think I think this is a good place. So Heather Antos tweeted, so let's get this straight. According to DC, Batman can appear naked, full battlewang in plain sight in a comic book. But God forbid he reciprocate in bed. So I don't know the seriousness of that tweet. Not sure how serious she's taking this whole thing. But DC clearly wasn't cool with that. Right? They weren't cool with that either. Yeah, they-, <laughs> they were not cool with that. It slipped by and they had to go back and painstakingly remove it from every further future copy and scrub it from the digital version. Uh, so, in fact, if you have a copy that features the bat dick, then you have a collector's item. You have it, because, right? Yeah, right. you should get it graded. No, yeah, I might put it under. Um, it's no longer available anywhere because DC's not cool with that. So, yeah, um, I mean, if you if you want to get right down to the boring part of this, really, it's just DC's like uh, our children's character doesn't eat pussy because uh, we don't want it. We don't want that like in front of children. <laughs> Yeah, which is like fine, but if that's what they said, where it's like, yeah, we don't want to advertise a character that kids like, like doing sex stuff. Basically. Yeah, right. But that's like nonsense, right? And like, 
to, that's to your, all they had to say. That's all I'm saying. Right, right. And and I mean that's what we're here to dissect, right? And I think obviously that's kind of ridiculous because I mean, yeah, you can't argue that Batman is a character that appeals to children. There's lots of children's media aimed at the character. There's also a lot of adult media aimed at the character. So yeah. like, let's have a conversation about why Americans are so prude and like why it's okay to be like hyper violent or yeah. you know like there's a movie you know um that we all watched earlier this year where batman shoots guns at people like <laughs> is that okay like would you show mickey mouse shooting a gun he's a children's he character guns at people ah demons that's true fair enough i'll and give you that one your average american christian would be like well yes it's good that the batman shot a gun at a well, demon i'll tell you this uh when i was playing batman arkham asylum i killed a lot of people i ran a lot of them or arkham knight <laughs> i ran a lot of motherfuckers over with that batmobile so batman's got yeah, some fucking die. blood on his hands they're okay <laughs> they're okay um so yeah i mean come on like you're telling me that having a throwaway joke in harley quinn which is an adult animated hbo show that a fraction of a fraction of people are even aware of, that's going to somehow hurt Batman toy sales? Come on. Wasn't it on Adult Swim? Is it on Adult Swim? I don't think so. I think it's HBO Max exclusive. I think it is now, but I think it it started on Adult Swim. DC's always just really guarded with Batman. I mean, even when they were doing other runs, when um, Justice League was on, like... They were very limited with, with what they would let Batman do on that show. It's just like it's their it's their it's their bread and butter, and so they get really weird when it comes to doing stuff with the character. Sometimes, uh, I think the the creators don't get enough credit for that response. Is Batman a selfish lover? Like, uh, I I feel like obviously the 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 prudent answer is like no because you know corporate reasons but um I, I like to think that everybody on twitter just was really hankering for a yes from a corporation to just like yes he is yes confirm yeah. confirm yeah. they want favorite much like Zack snyder tried to make it canon my man just tweeted porn just tweeted <laughs> porn on main <laughs> i woke up and saw that while i was at work so thanks for that <laughs> Zack snyder uh, that is the most i've ever liked Zack snyder by the way <laughs> <laughs> in my entire life when he had to show blatant porn on his account <laughs> yep that's all it took um and to address kale's uh question it airs on adult swim in canada a week mm. after american premiere so it is hbo max uh first my favorite comment about this on twitter came from amy is underscore trying which was, of course, billionaire Batman rejects the only ethical consumption under capitalism. Oh, my God. That <laughs> fucking annihilated me. That fucking annihilated me. That's so funny. <laughs> uh, so, guys, the real question here is, does the Joker go down on Harley? Uh, they're not together anymore, so no. Okay, when they dated. No. He's selfish as fuck. Are you kidding me? I, yeah, he hit her. That's not really... <laughs> Like, okay, so you you took it to a dark place. I was thinking like you probably put like laughing fish I mean, down there or something. Oh no, I don't want to talk about that either, Phil. You brought it to a place I don't want to discuss at all. <laughs> Phil, I'm uncomfortable. Wow, think about that. So I think I'll probably be in the minority, but I don't think that there's any reason why Batman should be doing that in any <laughs> medium whatsoever. Um, well, no wonder even- you're not dressed up. <laughs> I 
I maybe I haven't made my feelings clear. I'm with you. Okay. Uh, Yeah, I like. I I mean, the Christian right strikes again. I think (laughs) the the issue here is the heroes don't do that. Like whatever idiot DC exec said that like gave Twitter, you know, ammunition for years. But I mean, at the end of the day, like their sentiment is right. Like he's a children's hero who they're trying to sell toys for. Also, he's not a children's character. Yeah, he is. Isn't he? Of course he is. That's that. Come on. That's odd. I mean, like man is a children's character. He also is. He also has a lot of content that's specifically aimed at adults. He does, but Batman is a children's character. He's he's an everybody character, which includes children. Yeah, exactly. I don't necessarily think that's why Batman shouldn't be shown doing that in any space, because I don't have a problem with Batman engaging in sexuality. But there are certainly comics for that, and there are certainly mm-hmm. characters for that. Like, for example, if you told me that uh, there was going to be a comic book in which how Jordan ate someone out, right? Sure, fine. Uh, like a, a show, if you said it was him, I would have said, okay, because I like I don't care about him in that way. And I feel like it's different with him. I don't want to see Wonder Woman engaged in anything that graphic. I don't want to see Superman engaged in anything that graphic. Don't want to see Spider-Man. Like the primary heroes, I don't want to see doing those things. Because I think that while they can be sexual, and obviously they are sexual, there's no doubt about it. I think that the graphic element of it can be left out. You don't have to get that detailed. I challenge anyone to show me the panel in which, you know, we see a a, a depiction of of, of the opposite. Because there was a lot of argument about that. Oh, well, how come Batman can have sex with Catwoman? But Mm. you can't. they don't ever show her going down on him. You know, they don't, I've never seen that. Show me the panel. I guess the question is like, what was this actually going to look like? Right? Because it's like, are we talking about like they're in bed and we hear Batman under the covers kind of thing? Like, I think that there's a way you do that where it's not literally showing like porn, you know? Um, Because I don't know. I don't, I, I don't, I definitely don't have a problem um, with it, especially being used for humor, like in a show where they're not the main characters, you know? Um, if this is like a Batman cartoon, right? And it was like, oh yeah, like <laughs> there's a scene every couple episodes where Batman's just fucking banging it out. Like, yeah, like I, I'm, I'm with you for that. Like that's, that seems like probably a bridge too far, but yeah, but, I mean, for this, for me with this, like, I feel like this is like something that would have amounted to like a five to 10 second throwaway joke in an otherwise show that has nothing to do with Batman really. Sure. And if, if DC didn't decide to make it, uh, you know, if if all this didn't come out like it did, it wouldn't have become as big as it has, obviously. You know, if, if either the show creators didn't comment on it like they did, or if they actually went ahead and did it, you know, it, it would have been just kind of lost in the vastness of, of you know, media space that is the internet. But, you know, know, things blew up like it have. And uh, for DC, at the end of the day, this is their most valuable IP, and uh, they're really protective of it. I wouldn't do a single thing to jeopardize that. There's just no way. And I think, I think we forget that like the the internet isn't the world, and there are plenty of people who, you know, 
wouldn't adults who would not want to see that from any superhero. But if guy. you don't go on the internet, how would you even see it? You know, like if, unless you, you watch it on HBO Max. How many people are watching Harley Quinn that would have a problem with that, though? I don't know. That's not up to me. But DC knows. DC, yeah. that's their IP, right? DC makes billions of dollars off that. Yeah. So they have to be careful. I mean, yeah. And like, whatever. That's that's fair. Like, I, I definitely get where you're coming from. I just, I feel like it, like it, it seems insane. Like, it's frankly, like, it feels like a mountain out of a molehill to me. I like, think that people who are arguing that, that DC is doing something wrong here are the ones making a mountain out of a molehill. If you yeah. really think that they would that any company not just dc i'm talking about any company that doesn't produce porn is going to show their hero who's not like that kind of character just engaging in a graphic sex act it's just, just not going to happen yeah yeah um, i mean i also i don't i don't um i'm not coming down that hardly on the issue either uh cuz i don't i don't you know it's their prerogative they're allowed to do whatever they want i don't i don't know that i'd argue that it's like this insane example of censorship or anything like that but i think they took something that probably wouldn't have impacted them at all and turned it into a meme that like people have just been <laughs> talking about for like a week you know <laughs> but i don't think they did that right that's not dc's fault these creators in my opinion should never have said this like, why would you, why would you make the company that's paying you look bad in this way over something that really didn't affect the show? They said it themselves in the Variety article that DC was super supportive and they let them push the limits and the boundaries with these characters as far as possible. I don't see why you would do this to them. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, I, I, I think, I don't know. I think to play devil's advocate there, I think that's also... I, I feel like that assumes that they were doing it to make them look bad. And I think that, like, it, it's just as easy that that comment is not, that doesn't become a, a viral sensation, right? Where it's like, oh, yeah, they've been super supportive. They've let us really push the envelope. The only thing they wouldn't let us do is when we wanted to have Batman go down on Catwoman, right? Like, yeah, fair enough. That was probably a bridge too far. Like, I could see how you throw that out casually as like a haha yeah that's the craziest thing we wanted to do that we couldn't and like it becomes a thing that you didn't necessarily anticipate but you just said that dc made this a meme by not allowing them to do it that's but true we don't know that if they don't say it right that's true too so, so <laughs> they definitely caused this and dc yep. is is completely blameless and even still i i can completely see what pete said you know that you know uh, he said it offhandedly because of like the extent of where they were going to take it. But like, it's, yeah. it's that, it's that thing of like, internet's going to internet. Like, of course there's going to, you know, uh, people are going to meme the shit out of this. It's like that story about, um, I don't know if you guys have heard about this. There was a, a, a story about someone. Oh, a Disney cartoon, maybe it was Alex Hirsch and Gravity Falls, that era something. But he said that when uh, he got hired at Disney and put on the show, they said that uh, they took him aside, closed the door to the office, made sure nobody was around, and they showed him like a book of like graphic, like Kim Possible porn. And they were like, listen, this is going to happen to your show. 
You have to be prepared for that. Mm. And it's, you know, I think these companies know this stuff happens, but they have to damage control it on their level at some, at some point. Yeah. Um, And I think that there's, there are conversations to be had about all this stuff, but I wish that there was like, I love all the creators who, uh, who made jokes about it because jokes are cool. Um, Some of the, some of the, like some of the creators and some of the people really, really took this like really serious, which is the dumbest thing in the world. That's where I'm at with this. Like the, I feel like joking about it is literally the only re like, I, I gotta say, I'm genuinely surprised that you guys came ready to have, like, a serious conversation about it. Because I feel like it's such a, like, who the fuck cares about this? This is so silly. <laughs> and, like, I can't believe people are so, like, twisted about it, you know? <laughs> I didn't come I didn't come to have a serious conversation about it necessarily. I came to have a conversation about the reaction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Fair enough. With, with that said, shout out to Val Kilmer, who, of course, played Batman Forever, who posted a gif that be- definitely insinuated Batman does get down. You know what I also saw that was funny? The um the reporter who, like, was the one who broke the story on Twitter. N- not broke the story, but was tweeting about it, and that's where it kind of, like, blew up and went viral. Um, One of the top replies is from Clark Gregg, who played fucking agent colson and he's just like he's like oh it's like that's uh, that's a huge part of every hero's job or some shit like that i'm just like all right colson (laughs) (laughs) i think um one one distinction between all that is the fact that this is a a disney i mean a disney uh a dc specific product and um one of the things that i was thinking about was like robot chicken with all the dc superheroes like, yeah, right. That shit, that shit went to like graphic places for sure. Um, but I think because it's it's not a production specifically out of Warner and DC that is a parody. Um, they have some leniency there. Yes. Um, yeah, that's a but, great example. Uh, but I think I think at the end of the day, they they're well within their right to restrict whatever amount of whatever whatever it is that they want to depict about their own character but outside of that anybody can sort of depict it in whatever way they want there's a whole sub category of uh, manga uh that's not even like hentai stuff like it's literally fan-made comics that Mm -hmm. uh, relate back either through like ships or um sometimes through sexual acts or sometimes just like continuation of stories basically fanfic right where that's that's totally fine but the the differences between the corporation known as DC Comics that owns the IP of Batman and everyone else, I think, is the the only distinction that. Well, one thing that's there. interesting, you bring up the Robot Chicken thing. Robot Chicken's under the same Time Warner umbrella as DC Comics is. It's not like Family Guy, which makes a ton of DC sex jokes too, or whatever. But you know, that's not under the that's that was under Fox. But was it at that time though? It it was Adult Swim. I think has always been owned by yes. Warner um, since okay. its inception. Um, but I think to to the point that you made, though, right? Like a robot chicken DC special is not the same as Harley Quinn premiere DC animated show that premieres yeah. first on HBO Max. Our premiere streaming, you know what I mean? Like the narrative there is a lot different. I think that was a that's a, a smart point to bring up. Yeah. 
Um, and again, like if there was a show that was about like Green Arrow and uh, Dina Lance, and the, the comics already make a lot of heavily and a lot of innuendo, right? And that and a similar oh, and that happened. I wouldn't think twice about it because th- I feel like that's the nature of those. Like they're very sexual, they're hot, and and that's a part of them. And it, I just see it as different. And they're not making DC all this bank. I would, I, I just, I think being so protective of those of those major characters makes sense. And I don't think that this is really about um, uh, misogyny or any kind of like sexual uh, imbalance. I really don't think this is, I don't think DC made the decision in that light. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair to say. Um, I don't, I don't think that, um, I don't think they'd want to show Batman getting a blowjob either. Um, I don't, I don't like, I don't, I don't think, I don't think it's that specific issue, but I, I do understand why, um, I do understand why it became about that issue. Because of what I outlined earlier, where I think like it's it is funny to me that it's like, well, Batman's a children's character, so he can't have sex because that would make it hard to sell toys. But it's like, but he can like how many alternate versions of Batman are there where he's like evil or violent or a vampire or some other like scary, not child appropriate thing. And it does come back to this broader conversation about Americans not being comfortable with sexuality, but being very comfortable with violence. And I get how it turned into that but i don't i don't think it's that serious here right it's not it ain't that big i and again like i don't a i don't think dc is saying batman doesn't have sex because obviously they're not because in tom king's Batcat, every single issue is clay man drawing extremely hot bodies they're just humping on rooftops right well, and they've, they've had sex on page one hundred thousand percent. right um the difference i think that people are not grasping for some reason is the act. It's it's the graphic act itself, which would be the same if you flip the script. Um, it's just a lot. Uh, and like even me, I'm not I'm not a conservative person when it comes to sexuality or anything. I don't need to see Batman and Catwoman getting that deep into it. Like I could watch porn if i really feel like i want to see that i don't get what it is about people that they want to see that they need to see it canonically sean deviant art is not enough anymore you get to a point where you need a fucking stronger hit you know oh no <laughs> i like i like how as soon as i said that marco's just like mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah you need a flag bearer <laughs> what does that mean someone's gonna plant the flag and like this is where we're at now with batman oh mm-hmm where does it end? The Justice League orgy? Yeah. Man, don't. No, actually, no. That's not where it ends. That's where it fucking begins, Sean. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, then then you get into the, the Marvel shit where, like, you get those polyamorous relationships. Like Everybody on Krakoa is fucking. Yeah. Sean, this main topic of yours was an unfortunate backdoor for the Deviant Pals here to try to get their shit <laughs> and take over. We were so ready, right. you know, it was like a real wholesome episode. And then it's like, all right, listen, got to get to the main event here. <laughs> Fun fact, uh, Phil and I were at a party last night oh, no. where this came up and it, it cascaded into a conversation of what other fictional characters do you think don't eat pussy? The general from the commercials. Definitely doesn't. That's where I'll leave that. 
Wait, why would the general come up? I don't know, Sean. I don't know, but that's where that's where they went. I thought you would have said like Harry Potter. Somebody asked Mr. Clean, and I said I think he does because he has he an cleans ear- up. Well, and he had an earring in the '90s, which means he was probably pretty hip. Is this like is this what this show is? Is this this kind of show? This is the show. This episode, it is. What is our main topic this week? Do you know how fucking hard it's going to be for me to make a thumbnail for this? I thought about that. Is it? I feel like I feel like art's been exploding everywhere. Probably not that hard. Okay, cool. I guess if we want to get our YouTube channel taken down. (laughs) Zack Snyder's just Zack Snyder's tweet. Close up on Catwoman's face. <laughs> oh, I could do that. I could just do the top of it. Yeah, that's perfect, Phil. <laughs> and then I'll just—it'll be a picture of Sean, just like ah, oh, fuck. Like, <laughs> oh, we're like, talking about the bottom here. I'm scrolling down on this—the the tweet that blew up by Joe Otterson—and I'm seeing a picture of Batman and Robin making <laughs> out. <laughs> nice. Like, so that so wait. Is that like a justification for why Batman should should eat out Catwoman? Because Robin's a kid. Like, why am I looking at this? I don't know. We got that's. Don't go on the internet. That's the answer. <laughs> Max. That and and that's how we're gonna end it. The internet Stay was off a mistake. The internet. <laughs> don't engage in these topics. It's bad for your mind. It's bad for your brain. If the idea of Batman engaging in sex acts offends you or bothers you or whatever, you really shouldn't go on Twitter. You really shouldn't go on DeviantArt or any of these other websites because it is impossible to avoid. I saw Batman screwing before I saw him in a comic book. 100%. Okay. I know that for a fact. All right. What was he screwing? Catwoman. Uh, not the tool. Okay. And you remember those like three, those like, um, there were like animated 3D things that would play while you were like on, uh, <laughs> yes, one of those websites and sure. it'd be like, you know, the Smurfs going at it or whatever. Like I absolutely saw Batman at that time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> Woo. Yeah. So, uh, on that note. Yeah, weigh in with your thoughts about uh, whether Batman and Catwoman should be getting down like that. Keep it clean. Uh, <laughs> in our Good field luck. of vision, uh, you can uh, write in the comicspiles at gmail.com with your thoughts on that or anything else we've talked about on this episode. Uh, if you want to help us out, make sure that whatever podcast host platform you're listening to, you give this a follow, a rating, and a review. If you're listening to us on YouTube, thank you very much. This is probably the most YouTubeable episode we've done. Um, hit that subscribe button for free. Like the video. Share it with your friends. Drop us a comment. All of those things are free to do, and they help us out a lot more than they cost you. Um, make sure that you're joining our Discord server if you're interested in having a further conversation with us and the wonderful people that populate our Discord server. And listen to our Multiversity Book Club and the whole host of book clubs that we have available on all of our platforms. Let's get into the plugs. Pete. Thank you guys for joining us here on this very special episode of the Comics Pals. If you want to connect with me, I'm at loud underscore Pete on Twitter and Instagram. Come talk to me about the greatest, most significant news story in the history of comic books uh, that played out this week. Um, I want to hear your hottest takes. Um, this is the last hot take I ever want to hear in my life. It's about this issue and this issue only. 
Uh, if you want to get some more content from me, you could go check out uh, the video game podcast I host, the Podcast, every Monday, and you can go follow my band, Long Friend, Time Friend, at LFTF, the band on Twitter. Uh, wherever you get your music, we're there. Our debut record, If Me Dies, Me Dies, is available for you right now. And uh, we also have that live set that I talked about last week up in Vermont. So if you want to see what we sound like live, you can check that out, too, on uh, Cart Music's YouTube channel. We've got some more cool stuff coming for you later this summer, so uh, go check it out if you like punk rock. Gail. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at TotoInTo. That's T-O-T-O-I-N-T-O-W. You can find my work at KillWard.com. That's T-A-L-E-W-A-R-D.com. Marco. You can follow me at Mr. Marco Enomoto on Instagram and Twitter. Come talk to me about why now I should read Bomb Queen and or Empowered. Phil. Make sure when you listen to this episode or watch it on YouTube, you let us know which pal is best dressed for the Hellfire Gala. As for me, you can not follow me. That was, going. was it? That's not where I thought you that was going. <laughs> uh, uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Cyborg Bebop. All right. As for me, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram only at Sean Soapbox. Hit me up to talk about whatever you're excited about. I'm actually excited for Black Widow, if you can believe that. Can't wait to go to the movies and check that one out. It'll be my first foray uh, to the theater since Birds of Prey. If, uh, wow. Yeah, yeah. That was the last movie you saw. That was, that was mine as well. Yeah. yeah. Really? Oh, shit. So I'm in for a ride. Uh, can't wait for that. And we'll be reviewing it. So if you're interested in hearing us talk about that, tune in when that movie drops. With that, we're the Comics Pal signing off. Take care, guys. See you next time. Which pal goes down best? Me yodeling in the kingdom. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs>